Well, I was going to come in shirtless uh, here uh, for today's show because of that hot action we had uh, this week. But, you know, JB, <laughs> you, you brought up a good idea, actually. And so, uh, you know what? Wesley, last season, last Route 13 showdown coming up, right? Yep. That's it. I think it's time. Um, I mean, my microphone, I've got off me. So hold on. Excuse, excuse my back, folks. Oh, we got here. Okay. There's the number seven. Wolverine Nation is coming coming up. It's been... We don't we don't try to pick sides on this show. It obviously, you know we don't do this yeah, all week, but you know what? Special occasion. Yep. There it is. Maybe for the last time in their home field too, so gotta gotta make the most of it, right? Yep. So JB, we got a lot to talk about. That's our cold open, but we got the hot action coming up. It's season 13, week five of In the Huddle. I probably will lose the hat at some point here, but uh, JB, we have, like I said, way too much uh, to talk about. We've got so many great guests and interviews uh, that we did with them on this show. Uh, I think we need to let you just jump into who we have joining us before we get to crunch time. Okay, yeah. Well, the the big story of last weekend was the was the two SAA semifinal matchups. So, starting us off, we'll have from Hendricks College down in uh, Conway, Arkansas, uh, redshirt senior quarterback Miles Thompson and junior defensive back. Matthew Skirto uh, to talk about that 13 to three defensive battle that they won over Trinity of, of Texas to punch their ticket, uh, claiming the, the Western Division Championship. And they are headed to the War Memorial Stadium there in Little Rock, about 30 miles from their campus. So we we'll have to talk to those guys. And across the across the sidelines from them will be uh, sophomore quarterback Gavin Gray of the Barry Vikings, along with head coach. Uh, Tony Kaczewski, um, and we're just going to call him Coach K from here on out. <laughs> or or he TK, was, as some people call him, yep. Yeah, he, he, TK was fired up, and he's excited. Uh, he's he's a, a, a young coach who's got his program in another championship game in a very short period of time, so good stuff there uh, going on in Rome, Georgia, uh, not too far from Atlanta. And finally, Frank, uh, looking ahead to week six, we are going to have some, some newcomers to the field, including a team that many people in D3 might have heard of called Mount Union. And they have a senior uh, defensive back, hybrid linebacker, just possible future defensive player of the year, maybe. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, Cordell Ford uh, is coming in to talk to us about the OAC season and how Mount Union is really looking to get back to the national championship game, not in the spring, but obviously uh, down in the fall. And this spring season will help get them towards that goal, hopefully. Not to be confused with this union right here, <laughs> which is not playing 
football, but they are playing spring sports at the very least. Okay, yes. now that we've clarified that, I'm taking this off for now because, you know, my, my hair just can't stand a hat or I don't look good in a hat. I know that much, folks. Um, <laughs> we've got more legal briefs on my desk here, and I think that means we need to talk about crunch time for week five of spring 2021 D3 football. We'll start in the ODAC Friday night action again for the entirety of the participants uh, for the ODAC this go around. And first, we have Emory and Henry winning 47 to 14 over Southern Virginia. How do we get there? Well, first, uh, about four minutes into the game, Gray Overstreet uh, he had 30 yards on this run for the touchdown to make it seven to zero. And one play drive, eight seconds long. Uh, great way to uh, start your scoring there, but. Hey, look, Southern Virginia decides to come right on back about halfway through the second quarter. Actually, it took a little while. Skylar Johnson from Davis-Pinkston, 26-yard touchdown pass there, makes it seven apiece. But before halftime, only two minutes later, in fact, it is Hunter Taylor throwing it to Elijah Rice for a 50-yard touchdown, 14-7 to Emory and Henry at that point. And uh, the, the touchdown really iced it was three minutes into the second half. Uh, Hunter Taylor this time finds Gunnar Griffith from 12 yards out making it 21-7 final, 47-14. Overstreet had 17 rushes, 80 yards, two touchdowns, while Rice had four catches for 158 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Jordan had a big night, uh, seven rushes, 59 yards, and a touchdown on the ground, one catch for 17 yards and a touchdown in the air, and an 85-yard kickoff return for a touchdown in the fourth quarter, which we did not see there because the game was in hand, but still, give him the hat trick at Trifecta. that point. Yep. Yeah. And Southern Virginia's uh, defensive back Mitchell Alessio had, had uh, led all tacklers with a game-high 12 stops. Also on video here, we have Hampton Sydney beating Shenandoah 26-0. And before halftime, we were scoreless until the 35-second remaining mark. This capped a 17-play drive that went 98 yards over 745. Tanner Bernard to Dylan Costello, 13 yards for the touchdown. That made the halftime score 6-0 Hampton-Sydney. Then about a minute 19 into the second half, Ed Newman takes a 65-yard pass from Tanner Bernard to make it 12-0 Hampton-Sydney. Final score, 26-0. Uh, really, when you look at the uh, stats lines in this game, Hampton Sydney held Shenandoah to just 16 rushing yards and 114 passing yards for Zachary Mathis of Shenandoah, who also had an interception. Uh, Tanner Bernard uh, had uh, three yard, or three passing touchdowns, excuse me, and Malik Frost, running back, had 20 rushes, 74 yards, and a touchdown to go with his two touchdowns, I believe, the previous week. Uh, Shenandoah linebacker Ben Bergen had a game-high 12 tackles, two for loss. Not pictured here, as they say, is Randolph-Macon beating Bridgewater 25-13. to And Randolph-Macon quarterback Presley Egbers, he had a big night with 11-14 passing and 190 yards, two touchdowns in the air. But on the ground, 24 rushes, 103, and one touchdown. Uh, Bridgewater had uh, their running back, Demetrius Jalepis, uh, have 12 rushes, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, that touchdown was with 8-16 remaining in the third, pulled him within five points, but... Again, Randolph-Macon pulls, uh, pulls out the victory 25-13. to What would you think about this ODAC Friday night action, my friend? 
Seems like if you're going to win in the ODAC, it's good to have two names uh, for your university. Because right now we're looking at Emory and Henry, Randolph Macon, and Hamden Sydney, all sitting at two and zero, basically undefeated. And uh, Hamden Sydney, zero points allowed in eight quarters played. They're looking like that their kind of longtime rivalry with uh, with Randolph Macon is going to be a big game. But em- Emory and Henry out there too, the Yellow Jackets. I mean, they they could sting somebody if they're if you're not careful. Wow. Uh, you may want to leave for this next uh, game coming up here because um, you are hated, I think, in Belton, Texas uh, for many reasons now. Not just what you said, but the fact that it almost came true. Yeah, I, seriously, my friend. Let's go to the uh, scoreboard here. And it's not in misprint, folks. Mary Harden Baylor only wins this game against East Texas Baptist 30 to 28. So at halftime, Mary Harden Baylor was up 13 to 7. Halfway through the third quarter, Kadarius Daniels, uh, he takes a 24-yard touchdown pass from Tommy Bowden, makes it 20-7 to Mary Harden-Baylor. Then just uh, two minutes later, um, uh, Malik Hamilton, 11-yard run, it's 27-7 to Mary Harden-Baylor. I'm stuttering here because, you know, I'm making sure these scores are right as we're developing them, but they were. The reality is yeah. this thing became oddly close as East Texas Baptist... Uh, had DeCarlos Frazier receive a 27-yard touchdown pass from Troy Yauman. Uh, that's with 119 left in the third quarter, making it 27-14. Then, three minutes into the fourth quarter, Tariq Gray from Troy Yauman makes it a 27-21 game. Mary Hart Baylor leading by six. But hey, uh, four minutes later, Bailey Badeau, a one-yard touchdown run. East Texas Baptist has the lead. So, Mary Harden Baylor drives Anthony Avila with 2.12 left, kicks this 37 yard field goal. He had a bad day overall, but Avila kicked it in when it mattered, making it 30 to 28 with 2.12 left. Let's take a quick look at the final drive, though, because East Texas Baptist had a chance. They get to midfield and commit a penalty, make it first and 15. Troy Yaman was sacked by Tristan Green of Mary Harden Baylor back at the 44-yard line, and that really took him out of any contention there. Uh, Third and 24, nine-yard pass completion of Bailey Badeau. Fourth down and 24, here's the play. Here it is, fourth down. Need 11 yards, incomplete. Ball game. Doggone it, drat. Could not do it, 30-28 final score. I mean, just back and forth, really in the fourth quarter. This thing was not uh, that close in the third quarter as Mary Hart and Baylor tried to pull away. But give credit East Texas Baptist. They kept it somewhat close in the first half as well. So uh, just yeah. an overall good effort. You can see the stats on the uh, screen right now. But uh, this, I'm going to let you talk about it right now because you may have to talk and run at this point about through <laughs> winning only by two. You kind of saw this well, coming. Yeah, I mean the the offense that, that Coach Lee is trying to run isn't clicking yet, and I don't know if it's whether the it's the quarterback, it's the, it's the young offensive line. They're still trying to figure things out. Something's not quite there yet. But with the the talent that they have at receiver, they can hit on some big plays here and there. And so what we saw in this game were a couple of runs. We saw the twenty seven point run that the crew went on, and then the 21 point run that East Texas Baptist went on. And, you know, Frank, it's funny because there was, there was a, a, a tweet that I saw of one of the, uh, 
ETBU lineman kind of doing the rocket ship to the to the smaller running back after one of the touchdowns. And and a crew fan was sort of like, well, so what? They lost. And I'm thinking, sitting here going, yeah, but at the same time, there's about 235 or 40 other teams in Division Three that would be amazed if they could stay within a field goal of this team, especially and put up 28 points on this defense. I mean, it's it's a huge step for their for the ETBU Tigers program. Yeah, it's it, it's a shame for them that they they weren't able to pull it off. But still, it's it's a little bit of a wake up call for the crew. They've got some things to work on, and part of that is the kicking game, over four. But hey, credit. Uh, you know, Vilo, he came through when he was, you know, the coaches didn't give up on him. There wasn't any benching and all that. And he got the job done, which is really what you need in games like this. Well, after he uh, kicked the field goal, he did against Harden Simmons last year uh, to win it with no time on the clock. Yeah. I think you had to have a little patience with him with all he's done for that program. The team that Mary Harden-Baylor beat in week one, Bellhaven, uh, they had to hold off Louisiana College here. Let's talk about this one. At halftime, Bellhaven was up 13-3, to and then at four minutes left in the third quarter, Mayoa Asagunla had a one-yard touchdown run to make it 20-3, Bellhaven. 9.41 left fourth quarter, Louisiana College tries to come roaring back. Kanan Leone with the eight-yard pass from Sal Palermo. It's 20-9, Bellhaven at that point. Two minutes, four seconds later, Micah Dunn takes a 60-yard touchdown pass from Palermo. Now it's 20-17, Bellhaven. Then, Kanan Leone again from Palermo. That's with 4.01 left, and they make the score at that point 24-20, Louisiana College. Now give credit to Bellhaven. They could have just rolled over and played dead at this point. No, they get one more chance. Owens stands tall. A throw back to Foley. Makes the catch. Down the sideline. Breaks a tackle. Touchdown, Bellhaven. That's awesome. 41 yards. All of the motion going to the right side. Quarterback looks to the right. Sneak Foley out of the back on the opposite side. Third down and 20 from the 41 with 23 seconds left. It's Brad Foley, a 41-yard touchdown pass from Ben Owens to take back the lead, 27-24. And then, really, the final play of the game was on defense. Fajan Locke with the 45-yard pick six. He made it 33-24 Bellhaven. So the final score does not necessarily denote just how close this ending really was as Bellhaven had to claw back and then hold on in this game. Uh, incredible job by Louisiana College to climb back into this. Palermo with those three touchdown passes, 8, 60, and 23 yards. Uh, you know, just overall with uh, Asagunla's two rushing touchdowns, it's tough to explain to some people uh, a game like this and how exciting it was. But when you look at the scoring and the video that we showed, it kind of speaks for itself. Let me just finish out here some of the action in the ASC. Harden Simmons beats Texas Lutheran 33-14 as it was Mark Reed uh, with a one-yard touchdown run with 23 seconds left in the second quarter to uh, make it a 26-7 halftime lead. Kyle Jones finished the day 12 for 19 passing, 204, two touchdowns as quarterback for Harden-Simmons, and Perkins led uh, Texas Lutheran with 91 receiving yards and a touchdown in the game. That's Mason Perkins. Also, Howard Payne, 53, Sol Ross State, 34, in a score fest. 
Landon McKinney, the Howard Payne quarterback, 18 for 29, 364 yards passing, four touchdowns, and also the running back, Billy Regans, he only had seven carries for 65 yards, but <laughs> there's that efficiency we always talk about, three rushing touchdowns for him. Uh, nice. you know, good action there again from the ASC. Not quite as exciting as uh, some of the other conferences we uh, look at or we will look at coming up here. But uh, JB, they got to be proud of uh, some of the closeness now that we're seeing, or at least some competitiveness. It's not just Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor and they're predestined to meet. It's getting somewhat interesting there. Yeah, especially given the the Bellhaven win, because I think Louisiana, after winning their game last weekend, probably came into this with a lot of confidence, and the Blazers look strong. And holy cow, Frank, talk about most improved. That The Bellhaven video feed was almost as good as like an NFL or a major Division One college game. I mean, it was like, you know, 10K or 4K or whatever on the sideline shots, like crystal clear or whatever it is, 8K, whatever. It, it, I couldn't believe the, the picture quality, especially when you think back to that week one, that cold, rainy day. There was a skeleton crew of students who didn't really know what they were doing shooting the game. And now all of a sudden they have like NFL film shooting this game. Um, it was it was really fun to watch and it was exciting to see the Wildcats you know, claw back and look like they had it in hand. And then all of a sudden the Blazers, who you thought were like the, the underdogs, you know, do the get the touchdown with 23 seconds left and the 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 empathetic pick six for the win wow that, that was great let's talk about the team uh that is leaving the usa south uh in a couple seasons for the odak that's Avery. they lost to brevard 19 to 10 at halftime it was 10 to 0 Averett. now it's 10 to 6 in the fourth quarter before uh, Brevard's Damon Rouse had a four-yard touchdown run. Uh, the kick failed, so it's suddenly 12-10 to 10 in favor of Brevard. And then Brevard gets Quinton Jackson's pick six for 31 yards with six and a half minutes left to make it 19-10. to 10, And that's the end of the scoring there. Brevard wins that game. And, you know, looking at the stats here, it is Eli Carr with a 24 for 32 passing day. It's great efficiency for a quarterback. 212 yeah. and one touchdown. Also, uh, Jackson in that game finished uh, 21 for 34 for Averett, uh, 152 yards, but two interceptions. And Averett's Connor Showalter led all tacklers with 11, including two tackles for loss. Not pictured here, and we'll talk about that in one second. Methodist 48, Greensboro 14. Methodist outgained Greensboro 565 to 157 uh, in total yardage. And also their quarterback, Brandon Bullens, was 24 for 35, 376, three touchdowns and an interception. The defense held Greensboro to eight rushing yards in the game. Uh, this was the uh, game where the parent, uh, who was the biggest leader, Elizabeth Ellison, of the, uh, you know, let us watch our kids play in the USA South. Uh, mm -hmm. This was uh, her son's school, Greensboro. And they were going to rely on the video feeds to replace the fact of uh, or idea of having parents at the games. Uh, Greensboro, we're, we're happy you have a video feed, but you were at sideline level basically shooting the backs of uh, the sideline the entire time. Methodist is, yeah, pretty much the Methodist's sideline the whole time. It was a really poor uh, point of view, especially when you compare it to, let's say, Bellhaven's. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 
come on, guys, you got to try. If you're if you're going to keep the parents and, and families away, you got to do a better job and put a better product out there for them to be able to see their sons. Especially the way ones are still not going to be in attendance by the rules. So the way families are watching that, that's that's not fair. That's not right. So let's let's all do a little bit better. Just put it up, get it up in the air somehow. Get a stanchion or something for the camera. That's all you got to do. It's not that tough out there. Anyway, that's our production uh, advice here. Uh, we give it for free. <laughs> Get a ladder. <laughs> In the SAA, we have two great games to go through here. First, oh, Hendricks no. at Trinity, Texas. Trinity had a nine-game winning streak, I believe it was, in the regular season coming into this game. But Hendricks in their... Uh, well, let's, let's look at the tone of this game. The first drive for Trinity, third and seven. They're at their own 19-yard line. Wyatt Messick uh, is intercepted by Alec Taylor at the 49-yard line. Interception number one, folks. That led to Hendricks' first score with 13.08 left in the first quarter. Parker Turley's one-yard touchdown run to make it 6-0. On the next drive, on a first and 20, Tucker Horn had his pass intercepted by Hunter Lawrence of Hendricks. So there's number two. Now, Thompson uh, was inter- uh, Miles Thompson was intercepted back in the ensuing drive, but the halftime score with all this back and forth and everything was still just 6-0 to zero. Hendricks. First Trinity drive of the second half, guess what happened? Wyatt Messick's intercepted by Jacob Bremen, Bremen at the 40-yard line and returned it to the Trinity 25-yard line. Did not lead to really any points though because there were some special teams nightmares including a bad punt snap for Trinity, a blocked field goal for Hendricks not pictured here but still in the third quarter, Trinity ball, watch this play this is a game saver, second and four at the 13 yard line of Hendricks for Trinity, Wyatt Messick has his pass intercepted by Jacob Bremen at the goal line and it returned it four yards to the Hendricks four, or near the goal line I should say, so save the touchdown there Turley gets his uh, second one-yard rushing touchdown in the fourth. Not pictured here, but we will picture a fifth interception by Hendricks. Third and two at the 10-yard line this time. Messick's was intercepted by Jacob Bremen again at the Hendricks five and returned it a yard. That is all she wrote. 13 to three in favor of Hendricks. Five interceptions, and that gave them the SAA West title. Uh, but they had to wait till the nightcap to see who they would play. We'll talk about that game right now uh we'll talk before i let you in on this one barry 18 center 17 in overtime how did we get there halftime was just three to three after second quarter field goals were exchanged by the team so in the third quarter five minutes in centers trenton dupper had an 11 yard touchdown run to make it 10 to three center so we're all saying hey how does that tiebreaker work in the saa as things go into the fourth quarter deep into the fourth quarter still at 10 to three Barry, with four minutes left, had Cameron Kawa, a 15-yard pass from Gavin Gray. The touchdown made it 10-10. That's how we ended regulation. In overtime, Patrick Edwards had a 25-yard run in the second play of overtime for center. That made it 17-10 with the extra point. Barry, they got a touchdown pass from Gavin Gray to Trace Wells. They had a decision to make. It's 17 to 16 in the overtime. Many coaches would not do this. I don't blame Coach K in this case. He went for two. Cameron Kawa gets the pass from Gavin Gray. 18-17 final in overtime. Barry comes from behind late in this game to win it and then win it in over or to at least tie and then win it in overtime to take the 
SAA East title. And you can see the stats on the screen for this game. JB, we're going to have a lot more on this uh, situation or both these games in just a little bit. But this was like that action that you were praying would happen in the spring so that we kind of knew for sure spring football mattered to these kids. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's great that this game came down to a one-point overtime. And it, the, the craziest stat on the Barry uh, center game for me, Frank, it was almost in a nearly identical number of plays and yardage for both teams. I mean, obviously almost this exact same number of points as well. Barry had 62 plays for 339 yards compared to center 63 for 327. I mean, talk about evenly matched. Both of these teams you know, went at it like it was a championship semifinal, and uh, it, it, it was probably one of the best games of the entire spring season, if, and maybe one of the best games we get to see in 2021 period. I mean, obviously the fall is still a ways off, but um, fantastic uh, semifinal, and it should be a great matchup against a, a very strong Barry team and a very strong Hendricks uh, you know, defense. One other game in the SAA, Austin 27, Millsap 17. Uh, really uh, look at Millsap's defensive back, uh, Mikhail Massey, with a game-high nine tackles, including one for loss. Uh, it, kind of a sharp game, back-and-forth game. Unfortunately, uh, these teams had just struggled all season long coming into this game, but they will be uh, placing for crossover games at War Memorial Stadium, as uh, we discussed earlier. In the HCAC, or the HCAC, uh, the Reddit game, uh, as it's being called, uh, it's really, I mean, Franklin 55, Anderson 48. A lot of people thought this was a college basketball score coming in when it came in uh, across the wires. And uh, here's what we got here. Franklin was up 20-0 to zero to start the second quarter. Then gets Dylan McKinney's 71-yard touchdown reception from Dane Andrews to make it 27-0 to zero Franklin. Halftime was 34-14 Franklin. They come out again. Spencer Wright, a 26-yard touchdown run. He made the score 41-14 Franklin. I mean, it's over, right? No, 48-21 late in the third. Anderson, Zach Talent from Tyson Harley. 19-yard touchdown pass made it 48-28 Franklin. Now 48-35 midway through the fourth quarter. Talent takes a 91-yard pass from Tyson Harley. 48-41 Franklin. But Franklin was able to bounce back here and hold off Anderson with a 55-yard touchdown pass to Jarrett Gibson from Dane Andrews, 340 left. That made it 55-41. Anderson did get another touchdown, but it was too little too late. 55-48. They combined for 1,317 total yards. Tyson Harley, as I uh, take a gulp here after uh, going through all that, uh, went 45 for 66, 547 yards, three touchdowns, uh, four interceptions for Anderson. Uh, the Grizz, though, Dana Andrews went 24 for 33, 463 yards, including that 55-yarder earlier uh, to Jared Gibson that kind of iced the game. Uh, that's one of his five touchdowns. Five wide receivers went over 100 yards in the game. Uh, also, uh, Bluffton continuing their winning ways from the fall. Uh, wins against yep. Manchester 49-14. Uh, they outgained it 424-253. Bluffton defense had Eight turnovers, six interceptions, two fumble recoveries, uh, three of those interceptions and one fumble recovery for a 65-yard touchdown went to cornerback Montez Archer Jr. I mean, that's a defensive performance, folks. 
on that day. Rose Holman 52, Defiance 6, as Rose Holman's defense held Defiance to minus 9 rushing yards, and Michael Stevens with a game high, 12 tackles plus one sack. Two more games to talk about briefly here. DePaul, 35, Ohio Wesleyan, and the NCAC who joined the action here. Um, basically, we have Austin Womack, the quarterback from Ohio Wesleyan, finishing the day 22 for 40, passing 278, three touchdowns and an interception. Shane Quinn led all tacklers also for Ohio Wesleyan with 10, two tackles for loss, and an 18-yard interception return. Uh Finally, last but not least, certainly, Whitworth 30, Puget Sound 12. Uh, a fifth touchdown, is it, this season now uh, for him? Yep. Uh, Ethan Peliquin, our guest from a, a couple shows ago uh, for Whitworth, he got things uh, off pretty early and pretty good for Whitworth in that 30-12 to 12 victory. Uh, Varela, though, I mean, he still had 206 yards for Puget Sound, 146 on the ground uh, there. Uh, it's, you know, Jaden Pruitt, 13 for 21, 208, three touchdowns, two interceptions, but it was enough to help get Whitworth to the win. JB, more from you in a second. I just want to tell everyone that was crunch time for week five. Whew. Take it's it away, lot. buddy. Uh, yeah, those last well, we went from games. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny because, you know, our first sort of recap crunch time, we had, what, the 15, 12 or 15 games over three weeks. Well, this weekend we're, we're getting close to 20. Uh, or the, the, on week five, it was almost 20 games. And now coming up week six, we're going to be getting close to 30 games. So there's just more and more games starting to get underway. We're really getting to the meat of this spring season. But a couple things that sort of jumped out to me, Frank, I think, um, you know, other than you know, what we talked about with the with kind of the ODAC and, and the ASC uh, and the SAA, really in, in, in the Heartland, we see a couple of teams, you know, that, that can put up a ton of points in, in Franklin and Bluffton. Uh, Rose Holman kind of taking care of Defiance. It's hard to tell really what their story is just yet. But for the most part, you know, it's good to see some new conferences out there like the NCAC. They're going to be having little onesie twosies, um, kind of like what the uh, Northwestern Conference has done since the beginning of February. They have one more week of, of action. So I believe we'll see Whitworth and our friend Ethan Pelican one more time before they, they call it. But um, just some really exciting, high-scoring games, tons of intercept, <laughs> tons of interceptions, and the other thing that that I kind of noticed as well, Frank, not just you know the the struggles that Avila had for Mary, Mary Harden Baylor, and and maybe he should take you know this as a positive. Lots of bad kicking, uh, missed extra points in almost every single game uh, this past weekend. Multiple missed extra points, some you know failed two point tries. You know, college kicking not always the easiest thing to do. So, you know, if you, if you have a good one, just keep giving them a chance because you're you're going to need the points sometimes in these close games. Let's talk about our first championship game coming up uh, in the SAA. Uh, the ASC is slightly delayed here, obviously, because of the weather uh, issues they experience. The SAA is going sure. strong here as Hendricks uh, and Barry will be going at it. Hendricks sort of a home-ish team when you look at the geography of how this is playing out. We'll talk about that inside these uh, interviews. But uh, Matt Skirto, uh, the junior, and Miles Thompson, the redshirt senior, joined us. Uh, talk a little offense and defense uh, for the uh, Hendricks 
a team that wins 13 to three, that close one against a team that in Trinity that had that streak we were talking about. They kind of uh, got a little bit of attention for the fact that they had one of the longest Division three regular season winning streaks or uh, overall winning streaks, I should say, uh, coming into last weekend, and they lost the game ultimately to Hendricks, or Hendricks basically intercepted the game away from them with those five INTs. <laughs> yeah, let's go to these interviews. So uh, this is a rarity. Uh, we have a socially distanced interview here with our uh, Hendricks uh, players, redshirt senior quarterback Miles Thompson and junior defensive back Matthew Skirto. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. Uh, boy, I, I guess I got to start with the defensive back, uh, Miles. Uh, so uh, give me one second here with Matt because uh, <laughs> that game was uh, sort of a defensive battle. So I got to start there a little bit. Uh, Matt, I think, what, five interceptions uh, in the game for Hendricks, uh, if I remember correctly? Uh, starting yes, with the first drive in both halves uh, that you guys were on defense, did you see this game playing out that way? I, I, and let's throw aside the idea that you're a defensive player, okay? But did you see the game really forming in that way, coming into it against uh, you know a team in Trinity, Texas, that can put up points historically? We know that. But uh, obviously, you guys shut them out from the end zone when that game was all said and done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely... Um, you could feel the energy in the air before the game. and We kind of knew, um, that, I mean, honestly, that we were going to come out with a win. I mean, we just had that mindset going into it. So um, it was definitely, yeah, we could feel that, you know, they we were definitely more ready and we wanted the win more than them. So, yeah, we definitely felt confident going into it. Miles, you had a, a very strong game, over 200 yards of total offense. But as a quarterback, you know when you when you're also struggling to find the end zone, how do you keep your uh, offensive unit focused to keep on executing, to keep going up against this this tough um, Tigers defense? And you're going to face another you know tough defense on Saturday night. How do you keep the guys you know going here? Sometimes even if you're not getting the points that you want to put up on the board. Yeah, well, obviously playing a team like Trinity, you want to score as many points as possible. But, you know, playing defenses like the those guys, and especially Barry, they're very good. So sometimes you just got to realize it's not about scoring. You got to play the field position sometimes. You got to play um, – you got to have good punting so the defense doesn't start backed up. But um, regardless, the, the goal for us going into this next week is we have to be able to capitalize off uh, more of the defense's turnovers. Miles, this one goes especially to you. Uh, you're a redshirt senior, as we're kind of pointing out in our graphic here, and that means that you've had some extra time technically uh, already at the school, and then we have this whole COVID situation play out. A lot of guys came into spring ball not necessarily feeling like spring ball was going to be this time to throw it all in and you know compete like hell and all that stuff uh, because you know w- what championship is there to play for? Maybe a conference championship. Talked with Coach White about that uh, last week uh, from Birmingham Southern. But for you, what was your mindset coming into the season? And did you sort of sit down with your team and say, look? I, I don't know if I'll be back next year, and you can tell us if you are or aren't or don't want to uh, disclose. That's up to you fully. But did you have this conversation about the idea that you guys wanted to compete hard this season and not play this whole, well, it's just kind of like an extended spring practice with pads and a little bit of competition. Well, what did you do with your team as kind of the leader of that team, especially the offense, 
uh, to get this team in this position this season? Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, um, a lot of the guys on the team, especially a few of our seniors, um, most of us aren't coming back next year. And um, so we we came together and it was like, you know, this is our last chance, or our last opportunity to uh, to get a ring with the group we have. And I feel like as a team and as a unit, we have a really good group on offense and defense. And, I mean, we all just told ourselves at the beginning of the year, you know, we we didn't get a fall, but that doesn't mean we don't have our season still. We still have an opportunity to win a ring and get a championship. So that's what we need to do. Matt, uh, one of the things that we've really enjoyed about the spring season is getting to watch a lot of these great SAA games. They've probably been the most entertaining, excited, uh, exciting uh, contest that we've seen. Uh, what do you think is is it about this you know, sort of this conference uh, and the brand of football that you guys play that that brings forth all these really close, tough fought, and really for, for the fans, like Frank and I, just they're just a, a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with just taking advantage with the games that we have. Um, really get the, uh, we didn't get the chance to play in the fall. So, I mean, we have that chip on our shoulder that going into every game, like it's our first game and going into like, it's going to be our best game. So I think that's why, um, it's it's so entertaining to watch and um, even playing. This roster, uh, you guys are kind of a microcosm of the roster in the school. Uh, we got kind of a, what is it like, a JB, a Texarkana crew uh, going on here? A little bit of Texas, a little bit of Arkansas approach uh, to this. Uh, mm -hmm. Hendricks is a school that some people have obviously heard of outside of football, but you guys are getting a lot more exposure right now with what's going on with the SAA. And they don't really know where you where it's located, what it's about. Why'd you even pick the school? I'm going to throw it to uh, Miles first here. Miles, and I mean, you, you've had some good time there, uh, obviously. Uh, why did you go to Hendricks? Why did you stay the course? And uh, tell folks about uh, the charm of Hendricks College that I know exists down there. Uh, well, first and foremost, Hendricks is in Conway, Arkansas. It's about 30 minutes north of Little Rock. Um yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful campus. It's a small school, liberal arts. Um, it's a very good education. That's for one of the reasons I went there. And um, I would just say the best thing about Hendricks is just being on campus. And it's just a beautiful place to be. And it's just not even playing football. It's a great place to be. Matt, you got some uh, more time left there, but uh, you share those sentiments? No, yeah, for sure. I think that's the first thing that um, I noticed, especially coming down here and visiting, was it's just a beautiful place. Um, the people are great. The coaching staff is amazing. And um, that's what helped me stay the course, especially through this uh, spring season. Uh, just knowing that, you know, we have such a great team and such a great coaching staff that they're, they're just going to stay the course as well and uh, keep going, moving forward. So. Well, I guess in, in certain respects, kind of like the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting to play the Super Bowl in their home stadium at Raymond James, you guys are, you know, you, earn, you earned your way there, but it just so happened that the championship game is scheduled to be in Little Rock. So it's kind of in your backyard uh, home game. And I know that, you know, there have been some, um, not necessarily concessions, but there have been some arrangements made for parents and people to be able to actually attend the game in a, in a safe, uh, in a safe fashion. So, I know that the, the fan attendance has been an issue um, 
for sports kind of across the board, but at least it sounds like, you know, your families and friends should have the chance to see you guys play. Do you think that the, um, well, first off, have either one of you guys played at, at, at War Memorial Stadium, maybe at, at high school or earlier in your college careers? And, and what does it mean to really have this big stage on Saturday night, uh, pretty much just down the street from campus? We'll start with Miles on this one. Uh, I have not played at War Memorial Stadium before, so I'm from Texas, so I've never gotten an opportunity to play at a stadium like that. But I did play um, pretty big high school football, so I got a chance to play in front of a lot of fans on bigger stages in that setting. So I think it'll be pretty nice to get a chance to play in front of a, as many people as possible. Yeah, I got to stop you there because this idea that Texas high school football stadiums are anything to uh, shake a stick at is uh, not a notion that's true. Uh, Mary Hart and Baylor <laughs> used to play in a high school stadium before they built the uh, cathedral uh, down there, and it was quite a stadium. So I have a funny feeling uh, you're not going to feel too strange in uh, that stadium coming up this weekend. What about you, Matt? I actually have played at War Memorial my uh, sophomore year. I went to Harbor High School in Springdale, Arkansas. Um, we went to the state championship, but we actually lost there um, and got runner up. So I'm actually, I definitely have a chip on my shoulder. Definitely want to go into there and just come back for revenge and get that, hopefully get that ring. So. Okay, guys, let's talk a little X's and O's uh, before we uh, move to the shout out mode that we normally do here. Uh, You've got this game coming up against Team Barry that has had some tremendous tremendous success, uh, more than me saying it. Uh, you know, what do you think we're going to see in this game? A lot of people think we're going to see low scoring, uh, defensive struggle. Matt's probably rooting for that to happen. Uh, but, I mean, overall, from the film you've seen, without giving away the house secrets on this, anybody tuning in, what do you think we'll end up with uh, in terms of Let's say, uh, the, what, Matt, give us a little bit, ju bit of judgment on the offense uh, we'll see from Barry uh, and Miles a little bit on the defense we'll see from Barry coming up here uh, from what you've seen already. We'll start with Matt. Um, based on the film, um, I mean, they're pretty straightforward. They, they definitely run their stuff very well. And um, even though they might not do a whole bunch of stuff, they definitely uh, know what they're doing. They run it right and they wait for... Um, for us to mess up. So, I mean, it's going to be a, a pretty good good one, but I think that uh, our defense will be able to come up and uh, see what they're doing and be able to adapt and run what they're running. And, Miles, what about their defense? Uh, what, what are you looking at? You kind of alluded to it earlier, but a little bit more in depth here. I mean, yeah, their defense, <clears throat> kind of similar to their offense, they – they don't do a whole bunch of stuff, but like they don't they don't make a lot of mistakes and they play extremely well and they play extremely together and they're very fine tuned. But I mean, the goal is, as always, in every week, we want to score as many points as possible. And at the end of the day, if we have just if they score 40, we want to score 42. If they score seven, we want to have eight. <laughs> so we just want to be able to have more points than them at the end of the day, no matter what. They kind of uh, subscribed to that philosophy this past Saturday themselves, uh, going for two to win the game and yeah. just getting that extra point yeah. uh, to win it, 18-17. Uh, you guys, though, in a tight match, 13-3 uh, so against Trinity. So interesting that the fun and gun conference ended up with two tight games uh, to settle out the divisions uh, ultimately uh, last weekend. We'll see what it leads to 
this next weekend. And JB, I'll let you do the honors for our favorite part of every every student athlete interview we do. Yeah, so it's been, like I said, it's been great being able to catch some SAA ball this spring, and we'll definitely be uh, keeping track of you guys in, in the fall as well. But as part of this uh, show's 13-season tradition, we, we'd love to give shout-outs to the student-athlete guests that are on the show, to any friends, family, uh, former teammates, coaches, whoever uh, might be watching. So uh, we'll start off with Miles, and then we'll, we'll hand it off to, to Matt to close us out with some shout-outs. Uh, I like to give a shout out to my parents and my brother. Um, they supported me through everything. And then I like to give a shout out to the O-line. We wouldn't be anywhere without them. They've been holding it down this whole year. Yeah, they have. That's for sure. And uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, go ahead with your shout outs. I just want to shout out my parents and my sister um, and also the DB group out there. Let's Let's get a ring this weekend. A lot of fun talking with them. You know, so you're going to begin to see a trend here of a question we try to ask, we try to do it respectfully about seniors, whether or not they're going to remain, you know, for another year. You heard some pretty good honesty there from Miles that the seniors at Hendricks, a lot of them will not be returning. A guy like him, he's a redshirt senior already. So, I mean, that would yeah. be a sixth year most likely, uh, the way, uh, you know, the whole math would work. So, you know, I can't blame him for that. Hendricks is a very good school uh, academically and cost-wise it shows in terms of dollars and cents. So keep that in mind. Start to think about which schools are seeing seniors commit versus not commit to coming back overall. You may start to see some trends. We'll talk a little bit more about it later on. You'll see where I'm going with that. But then we had our friends at Barry join us. They're going to be playing Hendricks in Arkansas. And first off, Gavin Gray, their uh, touch their touchdown, their quarterback touchdown maker, how's that? He uh, yeah. gave them the game-winning touchdown and two-point conversion from his arm uh, in that game against center with that comeback and we talked to him for a little bit. Gavin, uh, congratulations on what's been a great spring season so far. Obviously, uh, you take nothing for granted right now with what's been happening uh, with the last year of uh, COVID and whatnot. But how does it feel to know that you're going to be playing for essentially a championship coming up uh, basically Saturday uh, evening, uh, big game versus Hendricks? And, you know, did you even think this was going to be possible when we were standing in, let's say, last August as everything kind of collapsed around us with Division Three football? Um, I mean, I know we were really excited to be able to play. It was just the best thing to, to be able to play. Um, you know, last fall with the season getting canceled, we didn't know that the spring season was even, even going to happen. And, you know, with the way everything was looking at uh, around Christmas time, you know, the cases kind of getting higher, we didn't know. And for a second, we kind of got discouraged. But... Um, I just got to tip our hats to the SAA, all the coaches here, all the administrators. They've done a great job of, um, you know, following the guidelines, doing everything by the books. And it's kind of, it's helped us get to where we are now. And, you know, it's crazy to think that we, we didn't even know if we were going to have a season. And now all of a sudden we're playing for a championship. So it's just a blessing. Yeah, definitely. And in a way, this game that you guys just won in overtime on, on Saturday uh, night might actually be, a great prep because, you know, 
a real defensive struggle there for a while. What were you telling your teammates in the huddle? Well, you know, really took took some time to to get your offense going, but you finally made the plays you needed to do to win the game at the end. And it might be the case against this Hendricks team, which similar to center seems to have a pretty tough defensive front. Um, we were just telling our uh, telling each other uh, to just do your job. You know, they weren't doing anything crazy that we that we hadn't seen before. Um, it was just a matter of executing, you know, what we needed to do. Um, you know, there was a couple of times that, you know, I missed an assignment that I, that I could have done better. Um, and so just telling each other to, you know, trust the process. We're figuring this defense out. We're figuring, you know, what plays go best um, against this defense. So it's really just, you know, trust, trust each other, trust the coaches, and everything will work out. So. Well, uh, the trust is working, uh, that's for sure, so far here. Uh, Gavin, you had kind of a long wait here. I mean, you come in as the SAA uh, Newcomer of the Year, I think they call it, uh, in 2019. I think you got the starting job in uh, part of the last half of the season. Uh, you had reps in every game, but it looks like uh, your numbers obviously amped up toward the end of that season. Then COVID happens. And, I mean, for those out there that don't fully understand the rigors of what we're going through here and what this all has meant, how tough was it for you to return to basically 2019 type form now with all the restrictions you were under with COVID and whatnot? Yes, I mean in the fall with you know all the restrictions and stuff, we were able to practice, but it wasn't it wasn't like a um, like a regular season. Um, it was four groups, and you would go two groups at a time, split on either side of the field. So I wasn't really getting to work with you know the whole team. We didn't even get to take team reps. Um, so coming into camp this season or this, this, uh, this winter, I guess, um, it was kind of, you know, getting back to the basics, doing everything that, uh, we would do in a normal camp, just going through those, that, um, that same type of, uh, preparation for the season instead of, cause I mean, it was over 400 days since we had played. So, you know, just trying to do everything like we did. Two years ago, I guess would be the case. So, yeah, and it seems like I mean, you guys sort of picked up where you left off in, in many respects. You were a championship caliber team in, in 2019, going into this game at the War Memorial Stadium on uh, on Saturday night. I mean, is there is there sort of a different feel, you know, playing for a championship only you know four or so weeks into like a shortened sort of protracted season versus it would be kind of going through the grind of of what you did in, in 2019, or is it at the end of the day a game's a game? You're just playing and trying to win and, and you know, get that get that trophy back on the shelf. Um, I think that to a certain extent, it's kind of similar. Um, obviously, the games are more important this year, and we kind of felt that, you know, you have to win every single game because you don't know if you're going to play or not because two weeks ago we had a game get canceled, and, um, you know, we didn't know if we were possibly even going to be able to finish the season. So – with that game getting canceled, it just put more importance on the, the last two games and what we needed to do in those last two games to get to the championship game. So I think there is an added an added pressure, but at the same time, we're just trying to go out there, have fun, and win. Um, so that's really all there is to it. Quick question for you. I mean, uh, K 
Calhoun, Georgia, I think is a home for you. Uh, it is not exactly what I would call D3 country down there. Um, and yet you end up going to a D3 school up the street, uh, up the road, however you want to yeah. look at it uh, down there. What made you decide to go D3? I mean, to what degree were you aware of even D3 when you were coming out of high school? And why Barry ultimately? Um, so to be honest, I didn't really know that much about D3 football coming out of high school. Um, you know, I had heard of Barry, I'd heard of a couple other division three schools, but I really didn't know until I came on a visit to Barry. And, you know, once I got on campus, I realized just how beautiful of campus this is. Um, once I talked to the coaches, I realized they were just like my high school coaches. You know, they do things the right way. They're building a program, a great program here at Barry. And that's just something that I was used to coming out of high school. And so it's something I fell in love with here at Barry. It just, it felt like home away from home in a way. So. Well, Gavin, uh, one of the things we like to do for the student athlete guests of the show, and hopefully uh, you'll enjoy some more in the huddle episodes in the fall. Uh, we, we certainly have really had a blast watching the SAA games uh, in this spring season. Probably the best overall from an entertainment value, uh, I'll say, uh, out of any other conference that's out there. So congrats to that. And our little tradition here is we like to offer shout outs for the student guests to any teammates, uh, high school or otherwise, coaches, same thing, family members, who else, whoever you want to throw a shout out to. I'll give you a hint. Some quarterbacks usually think they're offensive line first, but just, you know, anyway, <laughs> you, you can figure out what to do. But yeah, Gavin Gray, the floor is yours. Um, I mean, I just want to give a shout out again to the administrators, uh, the coaches here at Barry, you know, it's all, it's all, this whole season has been possible just because of them. You know, my offensive line is doing a great job. They're really young. They're developing each week, getting better each week. Um, my receivers, they show up to play every single game. I know I can trust them. Um, offense coordinators, coaches, you know, they do a great job calling plays, getting us prepared each week. And I, always, I obviously have to thank my parents. You know, they come, they try to get to every single game. It's kind of hard with COVID. But, um, you know, I just love playing in front of, in front of my family. So. And then, you know what, we had to talk to his coach. Uh, you know, he comes from Grove City, and our friend Todd Gibson, the athletic director there, told us that Tony was a four-year starter in college. They were teammates. Uh, one year at corner, one year at safety, one year at outside linebacker, one year at inside linebacker, if you remember correctly. Unreal player, great competitor, no surprise he is winning. He's a winner, and he has that Grove City in him. Pushing him, uh, pushing to play. Ha! Tell him I said hello. And uh, so, uh, I'm sure Coach K is watching this right now and hearing that uh, Tony sends his best. But here is our interview with Coach K. Coach K, because there's no way I'm going to ever get your name right uh, after all these years. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks for joining us. We just talked to Gavin. Uh, I, I can kind of see without even asking you why you went for two in overtime but let's discuss it in terms of you know the stature he has there and the maturity that he's showing as a sophomore that had to play into your decision and also the idea let's get this darn game over uh, already uh in that risk yeah. you know what's mm -hmm. happening next well frank i was hoping he wasn't weren't going to ask that question because i got a lot of comments from uh, a lot a lot of texts that night saying man you have a lot of guts uh making that call um Honestly, it went through my mind uh, after they scored first, uh, you know, and, and I was adding it up in my own head. Um, you know, we have a tiebreaker system in our conference. 
and the first tiebreaker is head to head. So at the time, you know, we're two and zero. Uh, center's one and one. Birmingham Southern's two and one. So if all three of us finished uh, two and one, the first tiebreaker is points allowed. Um, so you know, we're doing the math in our head, and we had thirty-one points essentially to work with uh, in the game. Um, so we knew heading into overtime, and I think the I may not be exactly right, but I think center had to beat us by 12. So going into overtime, that was going to be a difficult task for them. And we couldn't give up more than 31 points uh, or else and lose or Birmingham Southern would get the number one seed. So I, I'm, I'm asking all of our coaches on the headset, we call a timeout and say, OK, let's make sure we get all the math correct here. It, it makes sense for us to go to two, go for two. Uh, and, you know, so during that time, we figure that out. And it's just that's one of the things over the last year where you never thought you'd be on the sidelines, you know, in overtime, trying to <laughs> figure out the formula that it takes to get to the championship game. Uh, this, is, was, this is from my uh, Coach White interview last week. As he explained it, this is how much I got on paper to uh, understand all this uh, yeah. mumbo-jumbo. It, it, it made yeah. no sense to us, but you know what? As long as you figured it out, yeah. that's all that mattered. Well, well it's interesting yeah. you mentioned that, Frank, because I actually listened to the interview last week. And I, I, no lie, I'm, I'm jogging in our stadium. I'm doing stadium steps, all right? And I'm listening to the interview uh, on the on the phone and I thought to myself, man, I better figure this out uh, before Saturday. And as a coach, you you want to win the game, all right? And, and I hope sure. that it wouldn't get to that point. But, you know, center, uh, I mean, center is one of the class acts of our conference, and we knew it was going to be a battle. Uh, this is the third straight time we've played at center because of the abnormalities of the schedule. So we knew it was going to be a difficult game. But honestly, that's what went into it. We figured – it, it makes the most sense right now, even if we didn't make the two-point conversion, that we would still go to the championship game. Now, obviously, as a competitor, you want to win the game. Uh, but it, it became a no-brainer uh, after that. So I wish you wouldn't have asked me that question because now, the, the, you know, the, the secret's out. But that, that's, what it, that's what went into it. But to answer your point, makes sense. Um, and, and I know you talked to Gavin. Uh, Gavin's a winner. Uh, Gavin played right up the road at Calhoun High School. Uh, he was a state championship quarterback, uh, won a state championship uh, as a quarterback his junior year in high school, comes from a great program. Um, you know, so we have absolute faith and trust in him. And, uh, you know, I'm more of a defensive guy. And, you know, what I value in quarterbacks is, and we have a young offensive line, and, and center has a tremendous front. And he was standing in the pocket, uh, getting hit a lot during the game, um, but got right back up and never flinched. So, you know, it's it's an easier call when you have a guy like that. Well, speaking of Gavin, I, I asked him a question. I'll throw it right back to you, Coach. I mean, it's only been a, a three-game uh, spring season, but yet here you are uh, Saturday night. You're going to go to the War Memorial Stadium in, in Little Rock, Arkansas, to play for the spring championship does a championship game after a short season feel any different than one that was a long grind, or is it basically, like you said, you're just playing to win? Uh, this has been a grind. Um, there's no doubt about that. We started January 11th, uh, so this is our ninth week of, of practicing, and we've played only three games so far. So, uh, you know, we've got a lot of quality work. I mean, especially Gavin mentioned it. Um, when you spoke to him, we're, we're very young on offense. I mean, young up front, young at receiver, young at tailback. 
so what a wonderful opportunity for our guys to grow um, and, and play games. And, you know, I get this question a lot, you know, does it mean as much because it's a truncated season and in the spring? Absolutely. I mean, there's every game in our conference, I can tell you, and I bet you if you talk to, I know you talked to Coach White at Birmingham Southern, our game versus them, you wouldn't have known whether we're playing in the middle of February or the middle of November. Uh, I mean, that's yeah, the, the that's atmosphere, the intensity, the competitiveness. Uh, and that's that, that's why we play this game. And I don't see any difference. And especially, you know, Saturday night, uh, there was no difference of us playing center uh, in early March than it would have been uh, in the fall. So, um, you know, that's what a breath of fresh air that is to get back out in the field and be competitive. Coach, we, we talk about it, the profile this is allowing the SAA to have because it's kind of uh, mm -hmm. the ASC, the SAA, and some things sprinkled in between. But the fact that you do have the spotlight and you're utilizing the spotlight as a conference as well as you are, does this not help the SAA down the road in terms of just being able to recruit uh, to help you guys for next fall in terms of how seriously it seems like the players and the coaches all took this ultimately and rose to the occasion. Put into your own words what playing this spring season, even as early as you guys did, will mean to the SAA and to Barry ultimately. I mean, that's a great point, Frank. Um, I think it's a tremendously positive opportunity for us. And, you know, I've been fortunate. I've served on the NCAA Division Three Championship Committee uh, for now four years. And fr from having grown up uh, up in the Northeast, I'm, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, went to Grove City College. And, you know, there's just a higher concentration, obviously, of Division Three in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic and the Midwest. Um, so when I'm on these national calls, a lot of people don't know about the SAA. And uh, what a wonderful opportunity for us uh, to showcase what a great conference this is. Uh, I mean, there's tremendous coaches in this conference. Um, you know, for example, at our place, you know, we're in Rome, Georgia. If you drew a three-hour radius around, uh, drew, a, drew a circle and a three-hour radius around Rome, Georgia, you're hitting some of the best football in the country. Um, so it's a, it's a tremendous advantage to showcase uh, our conference. And, and I feel like overall, I haven't seen all the games, uh, but I feel like we've been able to take advantage of that uh, as well. And, and, and I can only hope that'll help us more on a national stage. And, you know, I was on the committee two years ago when us and center both went in 2018 uh, in, in our conference. So hopefully those, when those uh, situations arise in the future, um, you know, people look back and, and say, hey, you know, that's, that's a quality football uh, in that conference. And um, certainly that'll, we'll all benefit from that. Well, certainly the, the, the Vikings have benefited from having you on board as a coach. I know you've only been with the program for a few seasons now. You kind of started it from scratch. Uh, you know, how did you do it so fast? <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's pretty impressive that here you are. You know, you're making the playoffs. You're playing for championships um, in, 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 in less than a decade. Uh, you don't have to give away your secret recipe, Coach, but, I mean, yeah. is, it, is it a combination yeah. of just a lot of different factors with the, the administration, the like you said, the local mm -hmm. talent, uh, or is it sort of all the above? Yeah, I mean, I kind of mentioned it already. I mean, number one, uh, having having played Division three football uh, at Grove City, and I, my whole coaching career has been at the NCAA Division three level. Um, so there's certain things, obviously, you need 
uh, to have success. And it, and it starts first with an administration that's committed uh, to being successful out in the field for giving you what you need um, from our president, uh, Steve Briggs, all the way down to uh, Vice President Debbie Haida, our Director of Athletics, Angel Mason, and all the people that came before. Um, they wanted to do this thing. They wanted to start it in 2013. They wanted to do it the right way. And uh, so that's first and foremost. We have tremendous facilities. Uh, I mentioned before, I mean, we have an outstanding area to recruit, um, you know, some of the best football in the country. So that certainly helps. And, and we've been fortunate here that we've been able to have a lot of staff continuity uh, as well. For example, our offensive coordinator, Rich Duncan, has, him and I have been together since we started this program. And Rich's uh, experience has been at the Division Three level. Uh, we just lost our defensive coordinator before uh, this season, who's been with us since the beginning. But then our new defensive coordinator, we're able to promote from within. So we've had staff continuity, uh, coupled with great support from the administration, uh, coupled with um, a, tr a tremendous recruiting area and a great product to sell. Um, I know I heard Coach White's interview last week, and, and our conference is a high academic conference. Uh, so it's not just selling the football piece. Certainly um, way more important than that is the academic experience you're going to get here as well, coupled with the football. So when you add all that up, um, there, there's no secret sauce. I mean, that's, there's a lot of positives uh, going for us right now, for sure. Okay, uh, last question for you. You're a Grove City guy. Mm -hmm. Give me your grade on how Coach DiDonato is doing up at uh, Grove City. Uh, he is doing outstanding. I mean, him and I have, uh, you know, our paths never crossed, uh, you know, when I was there. It was a, that, that's been a while. Um, but I ran into him a couple times. I mean, he was a tremendous player there, and he's really got that rolling. And I, I'm a proud alum, um, although I, I tried to, uh, I, I, their AD is, uh, is with him and I were teammates. So, you know, maybe, maybe someday we can have a game. Uh you know, sometime maybe we can get out of the south, and I would prefer to them to have them come down here in the beginning of September when it's about ninety-five degrees. That might be a better option than us going. <laughs> but uh, he's doing a great job. I will DM the uh, AD uh, later, who was on the show. Don't forget a few <laughs> weeks back, and uh, okay. let him know the invitation mm -hmm. has been uh, handed down or up or however you want he to knows. get it. But listen, uh -huh. good luck this week against Hendricks for this title. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I, I have a feeling no matter what, this is going to be a fun game, just like the rest of the season has been. And kudos to you guys, kudos to the SAA, kudos to everybody involved. This has been a treat, sure. and it really did jumpstart all of us and our emotions behind getting behind spring football as much as we have. So thank you to you guys. Yeah, thank you very much. It will be a fun game, and, and Hendricks – and Barry started uh, in this conference at the same time. So uh, they do an outstanding job over there. Buck Buchanan is, a, I think, a personal, uh, I would classify him as a personal friend of mine. So it, it, hopefully it'll be a fun time Saturday night. Fun interviews there, uh, JB. Uh, so, you know, Gavin Gray, very mature, very poised, uh, a player, interviewee, whatever you want to say. And, you know, Coach K admits part of the reason they go for two ultimately is that maturity, that poise that he has. But I think they also just want to be done with it. It would have taken a lot to really get to that whole, you let the other team score too many points thing. It would have taken a, basically a third or fourth overtime to really get there. But I, I think yeah. really, long story short, 
Do you really want to play extra overtimes with the spring season that you didn't even necessarily know you were going to play in the first place? You might not be fully conditioned to go much longer as a team. I don't blame him for ending the game one way or another right there. And it tells us that we're going to have a hell of a matchup coming up here Saturday evening. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going to be one of those uh, situations where it it might – pan out very much similar to what we saw in these semifinal matchups where it's a defensive struggle and it comes down to some field position. Uh, but then again, you know, maybe with the last championship game, it's going to be a shootout. So who knows? <laughs> it's hard to tell. But uh, I, I feel like both of these teams uh, are very strong defensively and it's going to come down to probably – you know, what we've seen a lot of this spring that you know turnovers do kind of shift the momentum of of these games kind of you know makes sense and it would so it'll be ultimately you know who can kind of going back to what coach white told us the week before who can execute the game plan the best um, maybe a slight advantage for Hendricks in the sense that they're kind of the the home team being so close to campus but the flip side is is that you know, Barry's had more experience in in the NCAA playoffs and 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 uh, I know coach uh, Kaczewski is going to be you know scheming up some kind of interesting defensive stuff to try to keep Miles Thompson and company in check so uh, should be a great matchup either way and it's 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 exciting to feel like you know this you know, championship game, you know, feel and, you know, talking to these guys, you know, that they all really want, you know, this, this hardware, this ring, this championship, this is for real. This is not some, you know, bogus spring football. Who cares? Tell these kids that this game doesn't mean anything. It's going to be a, a great big stadium in Little Rock. It's going to be a great Saturday night sort of feature for this whole entire weekend. So let's look at the schedule coming up for week six. I'll w- walk through it with you here as we have so many games we'll, d- we'll highlight on the screen and just kind of point out a couple features here. Uh, the OJAC yep. again starts out on Friday night, but this time with some company in the OAC. Uh, we'll talk more about the OAC in one second. And the USA South even has a game, Averett at Methodist at 6 o'clock on Friday night. Then on Saturday, uh, more American Southwest Conference action, as you would expect. Uh, Harden-Simmons-Howard Payne is an interesting game. It could be somewhat close if Howard Payne can keep up their offense uh, the way they've been trying to over the last uh, couple weeks, especially, that they've played. Uh, the SAA games that we've kind of beaten a dead horse on already, uh, <laughs> you know, Trinity at Birmingham Southern, or Trinity versus Birmingham Southern, I should say. We're all in the same uh, venue. Uh, that's the two-seed game, and Barry uh, versus Hendricks in the one-seed game, the championship game. USA Southmore action. The HCAC has four games. The NCAC with one game. Um, Northwest Conference with, I think, their final game coming up, although yeah. uh, we're checking to see if it's still on. We think it is. Uh, that, but then we're joined by the NJAC now. Uh, coming back out to look at me uh, with my uh, microphones blocking Nation there, Wolverine Nation. Wesley in the, the Route 13 showdown hosting Salisbury. Uh, I believe that's Wesley's only home game technically as right of right now. now. Yep, we'll see if that changes. Um, William Patterson at, at Christopher Newport, Montclair at Kane. Then Sunday, we also have two games, the SAA third and fourth place uh, games that you see right there. So overall, uh, JB, the schedule poses some interesting uh, stuff at us. I, I don't know if these games will be as close as what we saw this past weekend, but we didn't necessarily expect some of the matchups to be close that we got in week five to be that close. So you know what? Watch and see. Watch some quality football here and see where we go with that. One game we will be watching out for, just to see the return of the Purple Raiders back in the field. 
uh, Mount Union at Muskingum. And you know what? Folks said we would never get a Mount Union guest on our show for the various stuff that happened in the past. Let me say one thing. I think COVID taught us all not to take family and relationships that we have in this world for granted, good and bad, and to sort of make amends when possible on a lot of stuff. And Coach Dart, I know, has been wanting to make sure that uh, he had a better pathway with d3football.com, uh, who I uh, assist with, and I think he appeared on uh, the Around the Nation podcast earlier uh, this year. Uh, or last year, rather. And then, you know, we reached out to our friend Lenny Reich, the SID over at uh, Mount Union, and he said, hey, I want you to talk to Cordell Ford, defensive back, uh, although you'll hear that discussion in a second about uh, his uh, exact position, senior uh, captain uh, for Mount Union. Uh, He's a great player, and I think uh, he'll start off the reemergence of some Mount Union uh, pluses here on our show well. And I think you're going to agree Cordell's quite an impressive individual, as you hear here, talking about the restart of Mount Union football. Cordell, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks to Lenny Reich right off the bat here for uh, getting us uh, all together here, uh, because uh, I don't believe we've ever had a Mount Union guest on our actual uh, podcast before, and it's great to have the Purple Raiders on board here with us. So thank you, Lenny. But uh, Cordell, Mount Union football... uh, it seems like a very unusual circumstance when you think about it. New head coach. Uh, the, the word Karis isn't technically in the uh, whole discussion right now, even though their imprint is obviously there. Uh, you know, what What are your feelings here? And I mean, it took a little bit of a delayed start to get this to work. So, you know, how's the team been feeling about this big delay before getting back on the field? Honestly, I, everybody, like, obviously we wanted to play, you know, we go through all of the fall seeing, you know, high schools and, you know, FBS schools getting to play. And we're wondering why we're not getting to play. It's like everybody else is kind of getting to, and we're seeing these guys play, like, why can't we? And, you know, we go through all the fall semester being told, you know, be patient, be patient. Like, we'll, you guys, it'll, it'll come, like, you guys' time will come. And, like, now that it's finally like here, you can like feel in the air every time we step on the practice field or in the weight room. Like guys are getting ready, and you know we're excited. Yeah, I imagine. And, and first off, Cordell, I just want to say congratulations on being named uh, one of the team captains uh, for this spring season. I know that's a very uh, big honor. But you're you know you're kind of used to some big time stuff. You know, you played at Massillon Washington High School, one of the, the national high school powers out there. You've been with Mount Union and. I guess over your career, the only um, you've won a national title and the only two losses that you've ever seen on the football field have been to the ultimate national champions. Is it weird kind of going into this spring season, though, knowing that there, there's no national championship in the in the offering for uh, for the Purple Raiders? I know that on your Twitter feed, you know, in the summertime before the 2020 season, you guys were were jacked up to, to go win another ring uh, and, and all that. How does the mindset change as you go into a game against, uh, you know, Muskingum, who – Traditionally, let's face it, you guys have typically scored over 50 points and allowed them to 10 points or less. You know, how do you how do you get do you get pumped up for this? I mean, is the long wait really what's what's helping you guys focus in and want to really do your best this Friday night? Yeah, I would for sure like credit the long wait to this. Um, so just a quick little story. Uh, Friday night, we had like a scrimmage with the offense and we went through it was like 
a pregame type feel. So we had the music going and we had, you know, our pregame stretches and pregame warmups. And like, I had pregame jitters. Like, and I feel like every everybody else on the team had the same feel. Like, I think we we just want to go out there and finally get to play a game. We don't care who it's against. We're just excited to finally get to play. And we're just all excited, like I said. Coach Dart is a, kind of an unknown quantity to some people out there, not to those that know Division Three football well. But, I mean, if, can you tell if there are any butterflies for him with this prolonged wait to uh, take the field for the first time as head coach of the Purple Raiders? And what will people see different from your perspective about the imprint he's going to leave on this program or lead this program with? over the first season or mini season we've got here what is the coach dart philosophy versus let's say the uh, coach Karras philosophy is there really any difference you can tell so with coach dart you won't really see too many emotions like right now like he but but we all kind of know like it's his first game and you know everything you know coach Vince Karras and coach Larry Karras left before him he doesn't want to be, you know, a reason there's any drop off. So I know there's, he has to have a little butterflies. He tries not to show it, but he, he does. But uh, I don't think anything will be too different. You know, uh, Coach Dart played under LK and, you know, coached under VK. So, like, he's kind of taken everything they've done. And you, you see it in practices and you see it in the way we go about lifting and film. So I think I don't think anybody would be able there's anybody would be able to tell there's too much of a difference. There isn't much from my perspective that I can see. All right, Cordell. Well, not to, not to put you too much on the spot, but you know you you are a senior. But as we all know, there is the added year of eligibility. You don't need to name names or necessarily even you know give us a a, a hint on what you decide to do. But I imagine that one of the considerations following the spring season is. You know, who, who's coming back in the fall um, for I know the size of a roster of a, of a Mountain Union. That's that can be a lot of a lot of guys. So how, how has it been like with with you kind of speaking with your own family about your own situation and some of the other uh, senior players who have to make a determination after the end of the spring? So for me, I'm just going to be upfront about it. I'm coming. I am coming back in the fall. I just want to like put that out there, but like a majority of the seniors now, I think there's maybe one or two that I've talked to who said, you know, they just want to finish out these five games and, you know, graduate and move on because it does kind of suck coming back for next semester. But a majority of the seniors I've talked to have said, you know, they're coming back if they're playing these five games. What's interesting about this, I don't think a lot of people necessarily realize this, is I think you have uh, played in 41 games by my count uh, so far. If you can make it through the season and uh, play in every game uh, this mini season, 46, you could reach potentially by coming back this rarefied air number of 61 games if there's a stag bowl run in the future here for Mount Union. Uh, ultimately, that's unheard of, and that's a credit to you. Let's talk about your own gameplay because uh, we were having a little debate here about what to put down in the corner. Uh, let's see if I can get the uh, direction right. I can't, but whatever, down there. Uh, whether you're a defensive back slash linebacker, or what, what, what are you exactly in terms of your gameplay? Uh, you're kind of a hybrid from what we understand. 
in the way you play it. But uh, you know, how how have you felt in terms of your own maturity? You go to Mount Union, obviously, knowing what you're getting into, a national powerhouse team. But describe for us the experience so far and why you do want to come back. I mean, it, obviously, it's got to be something incredible about the school, about the program that you like enough to invest another year of your life with respect to coming back to it. So you guys, uh, I, I technically I play like in the front seven, I'm technically an outside linebacker, but I'm more in, you know, pass coverage. So either way, like you said, hybrid, but, um, you know, a big reason why I'm coming back is because I really don't like the way our season ended last year. Obviously, I think everyone knows we lost 59-52 to North Central in week 12 of the playoffs. And for Mountain Union, that's something that's like unheard of. Like you don't lose week 12 of the playoffs if you come to Mountain Union. And, you know, I came to Mountain Union because I wanted to, you know, have the opportunity to play in those big games and play in, you know, the week 15 stag bowls and, you know, get to celebrate with, you know, my teammates after we win. And, you know, I still have a really sour taste in my mouth at the way that game ended. We felt as though, you know, going into that game, whoever won that game was essentially going to, you know, be the national champion. And you can see how North Central ended after that. So, you know, just a sour taste. And I feel like, you know, as a leader on this team, I don't think I would be doing my teammates or my coaches right, just playing these five games and just stepping away after. Well, it certainly would be about as nice a way as any for a college career to be bookended with a national championship ring on one hand and then another on on the next one, especially if you get to, to win it in your home state of Canton, Ohio. Um, so, Cordell, thank you again for joining us. We'd like to offer you an opportunity that we do for all of our student-athlete guests to provide shout-outs to any friends, family, teammates, high school, college, otherwise, um, that you'd like to just say a shout out to and thanks again and, and good luck uh, this spring season. We'll look forward to, uh, to tracking number 32 this, this spring and also come in the fall. Hopefully we'll have you back on when you guys are maybe in you know week 14, 15, as it may be. So just a quick shout out to obviously my parents been there for me since you know day one. Um, my Maslin, Ohio, you know, where I'm from kind of built me, made me who I am. Uh, Nate Moore, John Cups, you know, those are my coaches, and Dan Hackenbrack in high school, they kind of helped me along the way. And uh, also shout out to my roommate, Josh Petroselli, because that's my boy. You know, yeah. Petro is like the, the, the loved player there. I, I, I've had enough exposure with uh, Mount Union over the years, you know that. And Petro is like over and over the name that always comes up as the guy uh, over there at Mount Union. So... Uh, to Petroselli, we'll send our shout out to him as well. Cordell, shout out to you for being a, a tremendous guest. And uh, as JB said, we uh, hope to have some more coverage of Mount Union here as the OAC uh, or OAC uh, begins play here this Friday night. Yeah. Uh, best of luck under the lights and uh, stay healthy here so that uh, you can put that 60 number uh, to it and challenge it. That would be, like I said, almost unheard of, sir. Thank you.
absolutely love talking to Cordell. Thank you again to Lenny for uh, serving up uh, awesome. a really great interviewee for us. And uh, good luck to them. Good luck to Biskingham, too. We're not picking sides in teams. Uh, not even picking sides here, folks. Uh, just This is you know the start of the end uh, scenario for uh, the Wolverines. But for Mount Union, like Mary Harden-Baylor, this is an interesting grouping of games for them to play in to see who they have, what they have with a new coach. And you can make some mistakes. You don't want to lose games because it affects winning streaks and all that other stuff that exists out there. And you never want to lose a game if you're either one of those two teams. But the whole thing here is that, you know, where do we have deficiencies? Where do we have players that need experience to make a run for a championship in the fall when we return they're going to get to answer some of those questions for sure coming up over the next five weeks. Yeah, and I think for a, a program like a Mount Union, especially with some of the recent you know graduations we saw at the end of, of 2012, um, you know, who's going to play quarterback? Uh, you know, there's a few other open questions, kind of similar to what we saw with UMHB, and this is a great you know five game window of opportunity for for coach dart and the raiders to kind of figure out you know what they have and you know get them teed up for what could be another uh, championship run and a, a possible stag bowl uh, game in their home state of ohio uh definitely added motivation there i'm sure for the raiders I'm exhausted. This has been a show of shows here in terms of all the action we had to cover, all the guests that we got to interview. Uh, I, not that I'm complaining. It was great uh, interviewing all these uh, players. So thanks again to the schools, Hendricks, Barry, Mount Union, for helping us, uh, provi- help providing us guests, I should say. Um, since I'm tripping over my tongue every which way I can, I think this is that time where we say, folks... We're going to try to have another show for you next week. No guarantees always, but we are trying to be consistent right now with spring football. And we have a lot of games to cover if we do come back uh, next week. So tune in. You know where to find our, your highlights, your video highlights at the very least, right here on the In the Huddle. JB, thanks as always. We'll see you next week.